BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Diversity Remix, busting the echo chambers of culture, politics, and business. I'm Charlie Echeberry. And I'm Jesus Chavez. This week on TDR, The Rittenhouse Verdict. In our deep dive, we'll explore the recent jury verdict that acquitted Kyle Rittenhouse and the implications it may have on the country. And in Courage or Cringe, Oklahoma Stay of Execution, Collegiate Asian Controversy, and Fox contributors quit over Carlson. Did a governor take a principled stance to spare a life from the death penalty? Or has he resentenced a potentially innocent man to life without parole? Did the University of Maryland correctly focus on underrepresentation as key to their definition of students of color? Or are they selectively defining diversity when it suits them? And finally, did two conservative contributors stand up for ideals by resigning from a major media company? Or are they only promoting their own version of censorship? This and more this week on a special Thanksgiving episode of TDR. I have no interest in watching any more coverage on the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, case. Have you watched a lot of, a lot of uh, coverage on it? I, well, it's impossible to go on YouTube as an example and not see clips of anything. You know what I mean? There's like little clips, people that are happy, people that are not happy, you know, people protesting, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, and it, th- there's been so much about it. Now, part of it is that the, the case was able to be seen, the whole thing, you know, was streamed basically until the last day when mm-hmm. – I guess MSNBC was followed the juror, the jur- the jury bus. At some point, the reporters did, and the and the judge like removed them from the courtroom because you're not supposed to get anywhere near the jury. Oh, interesting. So they were following behind them or something. But up until that last day, pretty yeah. much the media was watching the entire thing. Did in were you keeping it was up like OJ. the coverage? I wasn't. No, not streaming it. Like you know, I don't I don't really stream anything anymore. I mean, it's like I you know I would go and for you know for researching this, go and you watch clips or read mm-hmm. articles. But what I'm saying is, it was made available to everybody right, right, right. on a live right. basis, right? People could actually see what was happening, and then they could hear all the commentary about it. And I just think that there's been a lot about it. And it's funny because all this goes back, right, years. I mean, this goes back at this point to, you know, Jacob Blake and some of that stuff that happened. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just it's – been, it's been going on quite a bit. So I've got no, I've got no desire to engage in any more, uh, you know – Beyond today's so should, show, should we just skip the deep dive? In that case, go right. Just in. talk right into move, do a movie review. <laughs> just do movie reviews for the entire show. But no, I, I, I mean, I'm, it's, I'm unlike you. I did yeah. not spend almost any time at all looking at yeah. the case. I mean, I, I frankly did not get too involved into what was happening. Only to the extent of I was. Maybe I'm curious here. What, mm-hmm. was, what was your what was your what was your response to the outcome? Um, well, my response to the outcome is that my first thought was there's going to be somebody, people who are very unhappy with this, um, one way or another. Um, when I started researching for this show and just kind of diving into the details of it, it seems that on the basis of the law, the acquittal was the correct thing to do. It seems that, um, you know, the case that was made against him, Mm -hmm. 
the way that it was handled by his own defense team and then by the prosecution, which I think it's pretty well admitted made a number of missteps. Um, I think based on all of that, all of the evidence, what he was charged with, the circumstances there, I think that, um, you know, the the acquittal was something where I said, okay, well, it seems like that is the correct response for what this person was charged with. Having said that, you know, these are complex situations and the, the there's questions that I have as the father of a 17, 18 year old thinking to myself like, well, I wouldn't have let my kid gun, no gun, you know, uh, desirous of doing change or helping people or protecting people. I, I would have seriously uh, struggled to allow my sons to go into a scenario like that, given all the kind of, you know, disruption that was happening. There was things being set on mm-hmm. fire. There was all kinds of things going on. So just the idea of letting a young person go in there, even if they think that they have noble means to try to defend and protect people, even if that's the case, it's probably going to end up be putting that person and others into into a difficult situation, right? And so so I, I just – I wonder about the circumstances leading up to it yeah. that, that I think of as a parent that are very difficult, you know, for me to understand. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's the thing about the law is that you have to – and in some cases, you know, I don't – it's hard to agree, right, when you look at these things and somebody's being tried for X, right? Mm-hmm. The, the examples are always like – like the great example of this is like, you know, Al Capone guy was like a notorious gambler, gangster, murderer, mm-hmm. all this other stuff. But at the very end, the reason he died in prison was because they got him on tax fraud. You know what I mean? Because right. he broke that law and they could prove that one. The other ones they couldn't prove, right? Actually, did he actually die in prison? I don't think he did. Didn't, didn't no, he? No, I don't think he was in prison that long. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, but they ultimately but, got yeah, him. Yeah, but they got him on, t- on tax fraud for sure. Where did he die? Um... Let me see. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I know that they opened up his vault. Remember the, back in the day, Geraldo? Oh, like yeah, a whole yeah, thing? Yeah. yeah. He suffered cardiac arrest on January 22nd. Oh, no, he died at home. You're right. Yeah. But he was in prison, though. He was he in was prison, in but prison, I, don't think yeah. was, I don't think he was in prison that long. But you're right. It was, it was um, tax fraud that ultimately got him. You know, my reaction to this case mm-hmm. and expectation was that all along, I never thought this guy was going to get convicted. Really? Anything. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was very I thought, much he, had, I thought I was, he had no chance of getting acquitted. I was uh very skeptical that he would see a single day in jail. Mm. Uh for any of it. Okay. Um and I think it probably speaks to my perception or view of our um criminal system, our gun laws, mm-hmm. um, and then the kind of politicization that this thing had to begin with. There's also specific laws in the state of Wisconsin that uniquely apply in this case that I didn't know about. Yeah, and I, and I think that's part of the reason why I, I mean that, that's part, part part of the part of the reason why I I um I never thought that he would actually get convicted at all. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what I find this this case to be so interesting. And mm-hmm. and part of the probably the part that bothers me the most is the fact that we have the types of laws that make it okay for someone to go across state lines to bring a gun to a place that's already a, a, a heated situation where the likelihood of your presence with a gun on your side is going to create more issues. And then when issues arise, turn around and say, well, I'm just trying to defend myself. Right. It's like you you literally walked in <laughs> Yeah, you came to, to a situation you know, to pick a fight to some extent, you could say. And then when a fight occurs, 
then they're like, oh, I'm here to defend myself. Look, I, I would give it the equivalent. I think there's the, the equivalent I would give. There so, is a difference though, between picking a fight and being ready for a fight. But I would I would concede that I, being I would ready say, for a fight. But well, yeah. I think the I think that's a very blurry line between picking and ready. It is because I will but give there it the equivalent. There mm-hmm. there is a line. What that line is, I actually don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. what that line is. Uh, and the reason I say this because what I would equate, I was thinking like, what is a good equivalent of this? That is not in the political or even the social or or this, right? Uh, like, what would be a good example? A good example, I like, think about think about um, going to a um, when a when a team wins a national championship, mm-hmm. and and fans are going nuts celebrating, and then you show up to that wearing the opposite team's uh, uh, gear with a gun next to you, like something is gonna happen. You may not be saying you're going to pick a fight. You're there to defend yourself. But like you're walking situation where it makes it really, really hard to say that there isn't something isn't going to arise because of your presence and because of how you are, what you're wearing, what you have on you, the fact that you have a weapon on you. Like, and I think there's a is there any piece. of that? Is there any of that picking a fight? Uh, a little bit. Is it yeah. maybe a little instigating a little bit? You would say. Right, but I think I think that's where it's really important to dive into the weeds, right? Because even what you said about him taking a gun across state lines is actually not true, right? That was actually something that the trial showed, and that's part of the acquittal is that he actually kept that rifle at his best friend's house in Kenosha, and that so he came across state lines he, and then was right, well, had because, a rifle that but the, remember the judge the, threw out that it was it was illegal because of the length of the barrel. Right, right, but I'm saying so his gun not. was not brought across state lines. But even 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 that about crossing state lines, it's like the, the, a lot of this is like, you know, if you if you if you just look at it in an impassioned way and don't mm-hmm. think about you know any particular way you're supposed to feel about this, here's a guy. I, I look at it as people who work in New York and live in New Jersey and Hackensack or wherever it may be. Yeah, this is a kid who worked in Kenosha. His family lived in Kenosha. He was crossing state lines every day to go in in and out of where Mm -hmm. he was. His gun didn't come with him on that day. And so I I just, you know, the the part that's true about what you said uh, that I agree with anyway, is the idea of when you enter the fray of any kind, when you enter the fray, you're taking an additional level of responsibility into that with you because you are going into a zone of conflict, of mm-hmm. back and forth, and you're taking a role in some way. You're taking right. a role. You're contributing to that in some way. Um, and you have to expect some implications to that decision. I mean, there just has to be. I, what, what I, I think this just speaks in my mind to how flawed our gun laws are, our self-defense laws are as mm-hmm. well. Because the whole idea that you're going to defend yourself, and part of this whole thing is about self-defense, I get it in the context that this you're in your house, someone is walking in, someone is bringing the fight to you, mm-hmm. and you're trying to defend. It. I get that, like that's that's hard as it. But the the whole idea of stand your ground, same issue that has happened in Florida multiple times, right? Uh, when Trayvon Martin was he was killed, same thing. It's like you go harass this kid, and because of it, you get into a fight, and now it's okay for you to kill this kid because now you're defending yourself. So you yeah. escalated, you approached it. And now you get a chance to defend yourself on this because you happen to be, yeah. have a weapon on you. I don't know how those laws ever make sense. And that's why when I, when I, when I heard mm-hmm. of this, I'm like, yeah, this kid is getting away with it. Like, there's no way he gets convicted. There's no yeah. way. That's, that's, that's really interesting because I think most people actually thought he was going to get convicted on some level, especially when the jury went out and didn't come back immediately. Right. It was like there was, because, there was more people on the side of him coming the, back with a— Yeah, with a, and, and I'm yeah. sure you looked at the details. Even the defense tried between to get the, a mistrial twice yeah, because— you Between know. the three people that were shot, all there was all gray area, right? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, one guy, at least sounds like, you know, he wasn't off, literally off his meds, is what he's, uh, the way it's being framed, right? Yeah. Uh, that, was, that was coming after him, um, the first guy that got shot. Now your situation with people that are around him think it's an active shooter situation. A skateboarder comes and hits him over the head to try to, like, get the gun away from him. Right. He gets killed. The other a, guy th- points a, third a gun, guy at him. Has a gun But, like, at the Even same time. Even admitting under. Yeah, yeah of yeah, course. Yeah. But, but at the same time, you think about the situation. You're in the middle of a protest. Yeah. It's a very heated thing. Someone is literally shooting people. How do you not see it as an active shooter? As a matter of fact, I am shocked that only three people were killed that day. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of people with guns that day, though. That's the thing. Well, that's that's there's a lot of people but, with but guns. That's, a lot of active shooters. But, but, but Charlie, that yeah. is my point. Yeah. That's the point I'm making, yeah. which is with the current gun laws that we have. And I mean the people who were on the other side of Kyle Rittenhouse with guns. Well, you could have both. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they have both, by the yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Right? But that's, that, is my, that is literally my point. Mm-hmm. With the kind of gun laws that we have and the kind of self-defense laws that we have, I don't know how this doesn't happen more often. Oh, this is not going to happen more often going forward. Mm-hmm. I hope not. I because really you're do. in a situation yeah. where you really have the dynamic where it's very easy to prove out. You go there, and once again, what's, what is instigating a fight versus not instigating it? I think it's such a, a thin line yeah. of, of where that actually stands between you know you picking a fight or you creating the scenario where a fight can start pretty quickly and could turn deadly really, really quickly. For sure. How do you feel about mm-hmm. some of the things that were reported early on that that all kind of got, you know, came out in the wash in terms of the trial itself. Like, like the fact that he had killed two black BLM protesters. That was something that was, you know, in the news very early in this case. The, the, one of the ones you said about crossing state lines with a gun. The other one about um, the gun being illegal, which I know is like barrel length thing or whatever. Well, the other I part mean, about the, the gun being illegal is not that it is legal. It's just that they threw out the charge. Right, the the judge literally threw out a charge, and it's, and it's on a technicality about the length of the barrel. So that's not a, a false statement necessarily. In this specific case, with this judge, a different judge may not have thrown out that case. That that thing may may rule it, it differently. Right. So I wouldn't. So it's a limited. So that's not a mm-hmm. false narrative. That's a case where in the then in the course of the case, of the actual case, that was a, a charge that was dropped. Right. Right. I think from what you just mentioned, first of all, the, the crossing state line, he did cross state lines. So you're right. The te- there's a technicality. The fact that the gun was already. On 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 the other side, I think yeah, the bigger issue on, is you're like, being super generous on that. The line but, was but he, the, dro- he crossed Charlie, state lines the, the with a issue gun is that, to go kill people. That was the line that was being. That's said. Right. right. It's like if you live in a border town and there's an issue in El Paso and mm-hmm. someone comes from Mon- Monterey. No, I'm the wrong, the wrong state. It will like, be uh, Juarez. Juarez crosses over. Yeah. Shoots someone on the U.S. side. Yeah. You can say that guy, that person crosses line every single day. He works in the U.S. Lives in Mexico. Every single day he works there. I would agree with you, but that's it not will be the framed as that no, no, hold on. It will mm-hmm. be it will framed as yes, but someone cr- came across the country legally or illegally and shot someone in the U.S. to pick a fight where he did not was not was not his fight. To me, it is a similar thing here. But like you're still talking about someone that is not. I agree. That's with not you, where he lives. But that's not what was being said, though. That's just to be clear. Yeah, that's but not the, what but was the being crossing said. state. Yeah, I know. But it was but, being. It was somebody. The image was of somebody who brings a gun with them to cross state lines to go shoot people. That was not. I, I would that, say that was not true. I have not true. zero issue with the statement. Uh-huh. Zero, zero. Because then, then the 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 more the details came out in the case were to your point, and even that, frankly, I I didn't even know that was the case where the gun was on the on the on the other side of the state. That's already. where he kept it. He kept it at his uh, best friend's father's house. I don't know. If it makes me feel any better about it. To me, it's a moot point to I the argument. I get it, but we have to have some grounding in what's actually happening. You can still find the person guilty or have opinions, You're, but you can't make stuff up. I mean, that's just wrong. You can, yeah. yeah, but when, when it's first reported, that's the kind of detail that will come out later on. And that's the I point. Have, that's an important point. We should actually correct. know what's happening before we start talking about it like that, I think. 
well, I know, but how do how do you how do you how do you then change the fact that the day this happening, these two kids get well, no, not kids, they're adults. Two of those get killed. The third one gets shot as well. All this stuff is coming out real time. So to me, I have no issue with that being. If that's if that is the extent of the misinformation, okay. Let me give you an example. See what I'm saying, like, yeah. Let me give you an example. The, the thing about it being that there were two black men that were killed. Okay, that's fair. That's I don't know how you missed that one. That's a harder one to 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 uh, to get that one wrong. See what I'm saying? Like, I I get that. Let me give you an example. This is a quote from. This is before. This is like right after the shooting took place. And this is from John Haleman, MSNBC's national affairs analyst. Quote, a white Trump-supporting, MAGA-loving, Blue Lives Matter social media partisan, 17 years old, picks up a gun, drives from one state to another with the intent to shoot people. Close quote. That's a guy from MSNBC the day after this happens. I mean, it's just... To me, especially given the outcome, right, we have a, a 12 people who actually sat there for months listening to every one of these details and acquitted this guy. Regardless of what you think about whether or not he should be acquitted, that's just – that to me is the media making determinations of an outcome of something, forgetting about somebody's right to uh, due process, a trial, you know, being I think there's a lot of characterization guilty. in that statement that yeah. is wrong. That um, Unless you know already that he's a MAGA-loving – Blue Lives Matter. By the way, first of all, with a little bit, maybe check in the internet. Maybe those are all 100% true. I don't know. The right? only thing that we were able to confirm uh, was the fact that he was a former cadet, so he did so, follow a lot no, of police on. feeds and stuff. So, yeah, but not so I would say that, so, so, yeah, once again, I think that I could, I'm not just defending characterization. The dri- I guess the point point I'm pushing back on is driving across state line with a, with, a, with a gun with intent to shoot someone versus driving across state lines, picking up a gun across yesterday, still with the intent of shooting someone or at least be ready to shoot someone, that's not a stretch. I'm sorry. Like, if you show up with a gun, mm-hmm. and actually came out of the trial, like, I, I heard some of the audio of the trial when the when the prosecutors were trying were pushing on him. It was like, but if you're bringing a gun to defend yourself, that means you're, like, you're also bringing a gun to shoot someone. Right. He's like, well, no, only if, only if I need to defend myself. Yeah, but there's a thin line between... I understand that. Between that. So, so like me, I said, I don't that think, part of the mm-hmm. statement, I, I don't have a big issue with it. I get the other part, the characterization, the sensationalization of, of what they're saying. Right. And I'm not justifying... I'm never going to justify MSNBC, first of all, on anything, because I don't think very highly of any of those people. But, but I don't get hung up on that part for that for that reason okay and then well that's the other thing is you know and again this is what came out in the trial well i didn't see all of it this is a summary of some of the things as it relates to the what was originally reported so he had a job as a lifeguard in kenosha he worked on that day august 25th before cleaning up graffiti or whatever um his he and his friend were invited to join other adults who had been asked by the owners of a used car lot to guard the property after 100 cars had been torched the previous night when the police had abandoned the town basically because they just kind of stood down right so at that point he took his gun which was at his friend's house or whatever to mm-hmm. protect himself um and 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 that's that's when the gun came into play right so the fact that he worked there that he was asked by somebody, which even that's kind of curious, right? The it's fact like that a business is asking you to bring well, because your I guess there was no the... there was nobody else to do it. I mean, that's the crazy part, right? But, I mean, what but, would you do they, if you were but, the business owner? I wouldn't ask teenagers to bring a gun. I mean, think about that. We don't even let teenagers drink. Yeah, at seventeen years old, you're well, not at eighteen. You're... That's funny. In Wisconsin, you can actually drink okay. at eighteen. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah, great. I just found Wisconsin. that out. But if you're seventeen years old, mm-hmm. you're not responsible enough to have a beer. And there was scenario, am I going to ask this kid who has no training, yeah. as far as I know, to bring a gun to help defend my business? Like, 
It's really weird. That, I, I wouldn't have done I, I don't it either. Understand it's that. a complete lack of judgment for the person to ask this kid to do this because a kid's imp- is a young kid. You know, maybe he feels like, oh, I'm being asked to do this. And Let me go he, do this. By the way, I I heard his response to what actually happened, how he handled himself. Frankly, when I think about what he actually did, how he mm-hmm. responded, I think he was actually pretty, like, pretty uh, um, controlled, relatively speaking, to what was happening. At what point, though? I don't understand. When he killed these people, uh-huh. like, as as bad as it is that these two people, these two people were killed and third person was was shot. When you think about what was happening. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like the level His of, reaction in terms of yeah. what he did, I, I actually, my response, I'm like, dude, this actually kid, another kid would have shot half of the people there. Yeah. Just panic because at one point he was on his like butt. Like started spraying. Yeah. And at one point he had fallen because he got hit by, by a skateboard, shot another, like this is the time that he shot the second guy. Mm-hmm. And you have this third guy walking to him with a gun in his hand. The fact that he didn't immediately just start shooting everybody around him. Yeah. I am amazed that, that he didn't kill more people. Amazed. So yeah. I, I'm actually not like, I'm not going after Kyle Rittenhouse. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Like to me, it's not about him. It's about other issues for you. To me, the issues are the laws that allow for this to happen. Right. That make it okay. And then somehow we try to justify that this is not for the case of anyone defending themselves. Like, yeah, but you you created the situation. So how do we justify that? Mm -hmm. When you walk into already a place like this, if you're, you know, bull in the china shop, right? (laughs) So you would have applied the same then measurement to this guy, Gage Grosskreutz or whatever, was the guy who pointed the Glock at, Rittenhouse then he he was on the other side he was a protester had a Glock he's the one who pointed at him the laws that you're talking about that you regret are not better would have applied to both both of those guys wouldn't have been able to, to do that to they should in my mind they shouldn't be able to do that right, right. or or at least they sh- if they do that self-defense to me is a, is a difficult argument because the other kid the other guy that didn't that got shot what he should have done is just shot him like, don't ask any questions. It is an active shooter. You have a gun. Just shoot him. Mm-hmm. And he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. He put his hands up. And he, actually, I heard the, the part. Yeah, he pointed, was, but he didn't shoot. Yeah. What he was, what he was talking about, like, he should have killed the kid. Mm-hmm. If he re- if, because at the end of the day, it's either him or, or, the, or the kid. And yeah. anyone else would have probably done that. So but, now you have this dead 17-year-old kid who already killed two other people. Right. And this guy. And or he misses and this kid starts spraying everyone. Yeah. Just think about the kind of, uh, like, that's why when I, when I think about the details of this case, it's just, it's crazy to me that this is then all wrapped up to, under, under this umbrella of like, oh, well, it's just, it's okay because it's self-defense. How, how is that okay? It's not. See because, like, look, I, I don't think anybody should celebrate, and I certainly don't when anybody dies. I think it's tragic that these people died. And a lot of people used, um, in a way, like it was done for, for George Floyd uh, even though these people, obviously these people were white and it didn't have the same effect. But a lot of people started bringing up, well, have you looked at these guys and do you see their background, the people that got oh, yeah, shot and killed? Yeah. I mean, these were, these that's, were... That's what it starts? It starts you know, with that, yeah, it, yeah. It does start with that. But then, but but the question remains that they, n- people should not be killed, okay, period. Uh, and even in self-defense, mm-hmm. you know, you... You know, I still feel, uh, you know, a loss and I feel that it's a tragedy when people lose their lives, even in self-defense. I think self-defense is a thing of last recourse. It can be moral, but it's it's just the last thing to reach for. And I don't think it's something to to hold up and, and, and feel good about. I also don't think that Kyle Rittenhouse should be viewed in any way as a hero to any cause, right? right? A hero to Second Amendment causes, a hero to free speech causes or all that. Because I don't think he's a perfect ambassador of any of those uh, kind of things. And and even if he were, the whole idea of lifting up these people to be the face of a movement is part of what's wrong, I think, with yeah. a lot of what's going on. It's, it's a combination of extremely irresponsible decisions that led to that moment. 
And what I was still, you know, will categorize as the kid was actually pretty composed. When you think about what happened and how much worse it could have been. Yeah. If he's, do you think that that has, you know what I'm saying? Like, to me, it's crazy. Do you think that's something to do with his own, like, personal background? Apparently, he was a police cadet and he was a firefighter or whatever. Obviously, he had a a little bit of training or something, right? Because they were saying that when the first guy was coming after him, he kept on saying friendly, friendly, backing up. And this, I think it's part of the reason why he, he ended up getting away with, not getting away, but like not getting convicted is, is the fact that he showed that he was trying to back away, back down from this guy coming at him until he finally, the guy started grab, trying to grab his his, his, gun. his, his, his rifle yeah. and then he shot him. Yeah. Right? And then he gets hit by, by scared by another guy and then shoots him. Once again, in all single shots, mm-hmm. all like not, you know, it could have been significantly worse, but... And this is where going back to celebrate as a hero. That, that to me was it's pretty disappointing when I see some of these lawmakers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Gates, uh, Madison Cawthorn, Gates, and, Gates, yeah. sorry, mm-hmm. uh, Madison Cawthorn and Paul Gosser, all of which are praising this guy as a hero, offering him internships. Like what? what yeah, is, like I said, I don't in, think that. In what that's... scenario is that? Is that okay? Well, right? see what it, I'm saying? It's it's like. Um... It's a tit for tat, right? It's a it's a you've got your cause celeb, and now I've got my cause celeb, and I can, I'll I'll raise you one George Floyd to this. It's a back and forth that's that's really fruitless, and I think it just continues to pit people against one another. I think yeah, this kid is, he's admitted and said to his attorney. I did watch a clip of his attorney on I forget what show it was. Maybe oh, it was on uh, Chris Cuomo on Cuomo show. Mm. Basically saying that, you know, if he had it to do over again, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't go into that. Even knowing he'd be acquitted, he wouldn't do it, right? Right. And so there's definitely some regret. I don't think this kid wants, would ever wish this on on himself or anybody else again. And I don't think that he should be propped up as a hero. Now, the interesting thing, which I'm hearing everybody now talk about, Mm -hmm. is the idea of what recourse does he have for uh, things like slander and libel, in particular because... Uh, you know, for the people who accuse him of certain things that were actually incorrect, right? That impact his reputation, his him his being a white supremacist, his being KKK guy, or all these other different things that were said. Even by even President Biden, you know, sent a tweet uh, that he didn't say it. Biden didn't say it, but the tweet said that this guy was a white supremacist, and he shared. This is before he became president. So there's a lot of lawyers, as you can imagine, talk sure. about like ambulance chasers on turbo. It's like they want to sue all of these guys, the media, mm-hmm. everybody else. And especially when you can when you consider the last time maybe, there was a case like this. Maybe it should happen. Honestly, look. If, well, if, the other kid, if, remember Covington kid, mm-hmm. the Covington Catholic kid. He now no, we don't know the amounts, but he sued for something like six hundred million. A number of different media. Yeah, they got, they got money. They've, they've yeah. settled for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, a number yeah. of those. Listen, I think if it if it if it leads to more responsible uh, reporting, mm. right? Um, Great. That's what it takes because that's what it takes for these organizations. It's, it's money that ends up being the the, the changes behavior. Nothing mm-hmm. else. It's, no one's gonna do it out of the kindness of their hearts. Sure. So if that's what it takes. I'm all for it. Like honestly, I have no issue with that whatsoever. I think the other. Um, what do you think about the 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 lawsuits of private citizens or not media? So somebody like Biden, who was not media, not a president yet, but you know, uh, it, it, you could make the case that he was uh, defamed. Yeah, I, you could. I honestly don't know enough the law to understand how that works and, and to what degree that could be proven or not proven, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Because even what will qualify someone as a white supremacist? Like, what what is the criteria for that, right? That's a great question. I, 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 I honestly don't know. I like, used I'm to, not even... Well, well I mean, there like, used to be a definition for it, but I don't know if that's still the definition, right? right? So white supremacist used to mean that you believe that the white race was supreme, therefore the name, and that all other races were subservient to, an, to a... To a right, uh, right. But to prove that you are, to prove that you believe that, what needs to actually happen? I even, right? even, but even the like, definition, I don't. I think would be contested. Now. I don't. I don't know. That's that's the point. So I I don't know. Yeah. I, and I I don't have an issue with him um, pursuing some of these 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 options. I think is more beneficial, frankly, if you do it. Um, if you go after the media institutions, because these are the guys that do flame the fires quite a bit. Yeah. And getting, and I think the only way you're going to get those guys to actually change their the way that they behave is by actually hurting their pockets. So I don't have an issue with that. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens with this one. I mean, it's has there been because I, I haven't, like I said, I'm kind of done with this one. But ha, has there been anything that's come out of the protest beyond just protesting so far? I haven't. I haven't seen anything. Um, the <clears> main <throat> thing that I've seen just come out of it is the the two camps, right? The the ones that are looking this in horror, and then right now you have this, um, you know, the folks that seen him as a hero and prompting him, prompting him, prompting him up. Um, yeah. Now, what you have seen from him, to your point, I've seen some of those comments where he's like, "Hey, like I don't want to honor any part of any of that stuff." So good friend, this kid, dude, in, in this really messed up situation, I was after hearing more of the details. I was more impressed, maybe the wrong word, but I was, but I, but I did think that this could have been so much worse. Right? You thought Just, that there was some re- he was on some level reserved, maybe in his in his actions, or what, it could have gotten. Just think about a seventeen year old kid in yeah. that dynamic with a, with a rifle like it's that. Francis. It's Francis. It's my son Francis. And yeah. and only and I hate to say it this way, but only shooting the people that he shot. Yeah, it's the type of scenario where some little kid who's walking a block away gets shot and had nothing to do of with course. it. Of yeah. course, like dude, the the odds of that going extremely bad. Yeah, so that's why I don't know how you can look at that dynamic and be like, oh, that's heroic for having this person gone there to begin with and and wanting to stand up for the for these businesses like. The fact that he was asked, like, what are you doing? Asking kids to, to like show up with guns? Like, what are you talking you, about? You, you should almost take a look See at what I'm this. Saying? Like, at all this, of that uh, is just now it's still there's still a fair question about if you own the car lot and a hundred of your cars have been set on fire the night before, what do you do? Do you just like, oh, insurance will handle it, screw it? I probably would do that. I'd be like, you know, it's not worth anybody's life. Sure. Let the cars go up in flames. But it's an interesting question to look at this person who encouraged, supported, said this would be a good idea, sure. Right. Like, because that, if it's an, and I'm presuming it's an adult person who asked that, be, telling a minor right. to do that, that Take to me, arms. that to me is like, that's crazy. Super irresponsible. Yeah. It super is. responsible. And I do think that we have this idea, which I don't believe in, of like business and private property at all costs. I, private property is always subservient to a living human being. And like Mm -hmm. the idea of, oh, my cars, my building, my livelihoods being set on fire. I get that. But if the option is, if the, if the, Mm -hmm. if the options are kill people, right. Right. Justly justified or not kill people or your property is going to burn or be destroyed. Man, it's just not, that's not a decision. Morally, there's not a, there's not an equivalence there. I, I agree. I mean, the one that I recall seeing very, very loudly on television was when it was, it was uh, the LA riots, mm. um, and especially in all like South Central that area. A lot of the Asian-owned businesses, you had folks that were trying to protect their business and with guns standing in their roofs. And but at least in this case, you had adults that you know, hopefully they knew how to handle their weapons a little bit better. The, the part of getting a kid to show up, like, it just sounds like such a bad idea. Yeah. It's like a recipe for disaster yeah. in my mind, you yeah. know? 
And in those cases, they were in their business still, like, trying to protect their business. They weren't, right. like, now, now we're going to go, no, now we're yeah. going to go into the crowd. Yeah. And go 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 further in, and then with our guns, because other businesses like ours are going to be, you know, potentially damaged. So we're going to go in there and, and then be somehow surprised that someone yeah. does something that then you have to shoot them. Chris Cuomo. See what I'm saying? Like that's the part that I don't. Chris Cuomo. Just last point. I don't mm-hmm. know what you think about this, but Chris Cuomo suggested to the defense attorney on this little clip that I watched that, you know, would you could he have just like taken a beating? Like let's say put the gun down. You're going to get thrashed by these people. They're coming after you. That's yeah. pretty clear. Yeah. You're going to take a beating. But that was what Chris Cuomo asked. Now, you know, think of it as a father as an example. Now, I might personally say, hey, man, you know, you kind of match like for like. Somebody's got, you know, fists, take them with fists. Right. If they're going to add something, I would probably try to run or try to match, right, in some way. But just the the the, the question, which I think is an interesting one, is, if you had just taken a beating, and I'm saying, first of all, the decision on whether or not you should take just take the beating. But mm-hmm. if you had taken a beating, would that have would that have been enough? Would would they have killed him beating him? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, and all these things we have to remember that he's also a person, right? He he's also somebody who doesn't deserve to be killed, right? And and so like in when these situations get so heated, the options are just well, just but but that's, you see what I'm saying? I agree with you, but that's the problem, right? Is like in order for you to even make the Take the time to consider whether or not I should take the beating requires a level of restraint and maturity that I would just hate to put on a 17-year-old kid that has a weapon on him. Right. Also, I think the fact that once you have a weapon on you, the, the, the dynamics just, change. It's just different the at that point because change. because now it's about the, the gun that everyone can see. Yeah. It's a different thing if he had a concealed weapon and people didn't know. You know, even the level of aggressiveness that he may get may be different. Sure. Then when someone, because they're going to try to go for the rifles, the first thing someone's going to try to do, and whoever gets control of the rifle, then you are in a life or death situation mm-hmm. immediately. So I don't, at that point, it's hard to to say how he would have reacted a different way knowing what was happening, right? When I first didn't know the details, it just it sounded very like the guy was walking around shooting people. But then you see the details, and he was being attacked. I mean, that's the reality of the situation, you know? Which I go back to the same thing. I'm shocked that he didn't kill more people mm. in a panic. Yeah. Or more people didn't go after him, right? When this one skateboarder went, like, the mob could have got him. Sure. Right? And and then who knows what, what happens. Hmm. Or the guy with the gun probably should have shot I mean, the reality is he probably should have shot him because at that point, you just saw two people get or know at least two people that got shot already. Mm-hmm. And you have a gun. You're going to really risk it to see whether this kid is not going to shoot you? Your, see what I'm saying? Your, like, solu- that's, your solution with the laws would be... Just in a, in a in a more precise way, it would be the idea of self defense would only apply on your own property. Yes. Okay. That would, that would be my especially with the gun. I think the dynamics of including that a point, car, like as an example. Say it again. Including your car is that would that count yeah, for your property? I, I, yeah, I guess. I mean, I will put it more in the case where you're defending yourself in whatever your domain is. Mm-hmm. I think it's a different scenario than when you go out and then into another situation. Of where you're not contributing to the situation becoming escalated, and then you have to defend yourself. I think See what I'm saying? Yeah, for Those sure. Those are two, two very are. different things. What about defending someone else? Like, what if it's, um, I mean, say if it's, to make it really easier, what if it's somebody who's with you, like you, your daughter, sure. your your sure. wife, your whatever it is? What about that? Like, not defending property, but defending someone else who maybe can't yeah. defend themselves. Because that's, it gets into a different area at that mm-hmm. point. I think so. And I think there's, a, I mean, with those scenarios, of course, it's like, you defending someone that's already being hurt. The idea is that you're not 
the, the, the issue that I have with the open carry and self-defense combination is that you're creating a dynamic where the stakes are being uh, arisen and is also a dynamic that by the nature of you being there becomes more dangerous. Yeah. And therefore, the way that people react to you is going to be different than if you that if you didn't have an open weapon. That if you didn't see what I'm saying, like, and there's no question that, that the that's dynamics why to me definitely is like change. you have to consider and that I, and, and, yeah. and, to, and to think of it the exact same way. Like if you were literally in your house and someone came and tried to break into your house, attack one of your family members in your house. I just think there's such night and day differences. That's why I don't think they should be treated. The and same that's way. why I'm asking you the question yeah. because that's this, why I think is, they the, be this is the gray. You know what I mean? That makes the difference. Um, that's why open carry. I think is it's a, it's a very difficult thing to do mm-hmm. because, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen it. Anytime you see a person with a gun, open carry that is a civilian in any situation, it just changes the dynamic. Yeah. I, you know, unless you're unless you're in Latin America, in which case everybody's got a you know the, the military, the police, and everybody. Well, yeah, the, the military. With, you know, it's, it's funny enough, and machine Mexico, guns. It's, it's actually illegal for people to have guns, yeah. right? So it's more the military. Uh, but if you're if you're like you know I lived in Texas for for a while, you saw people like walking in with a rifle. It's like the dynamics immediately change. When I went to high school, there was kids who would come into the parking lot at school that had gun racks in their trucks, mm-hmm. like literally on the back of their trucks, they'd have their gun rack, and they would just like go to go to class and, and, and for you some know, come reason, back. And, I've seen that, but I always it, it, that always feels like it's such a different category. You're right because I feel that's much more like associated with like hunting, you know. Yeah. I, I, so, but I'm referring when someone has an actual gun on them. As civilian in in a Starbucks, it's just a different dynamic. It does change the dynamic immediately, both in terms of what people and you also open yourself up to other things, right? I mean, somebody going for your gun, somebody doing different things. The dynamics definitely do change. Yeah. There's no question about it. I was in Austin. Okay, this is my very last point. I was in Austin recently, and a friend of mine um, who I, I was seeing there, you know, had just gotten his concealed carry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he he just showed me. He's like, he lifted up his shirt, and he's like, there, you know, or whatever, kind of moved his jacket to the side because it was on the outside, right? Mm-hmm. And and I thought to myself, well, I, you know, I know guns. I've shot guns. I'm, you know, pretty comfortable around guns. But what if I wasn't? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What if I'm just somebody working at Jamba Juice or something? And you, 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 do you know what I mean? Of course. And the impression that gets made to that person is one or the other of, like, be more cautious around this person. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it it provokes some other th- emotion, some other sense. Of course, do you know what I mean? Of course, yeah. Uh, and and I do think open carry versus concealed are two night and day differences of in terms of what it does to the psyche the second you see that the, that person is carrying a gun. But there's people who are actually more, I guess, anti-gun that would say that they would they don't like concealed precisely because you don't know that the person's armed. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like. It's a tough one to get everybody aligned on. But look, I think what's clear for me on this is I I think it's really sad that the entire thing happened. I think it's sad that those people died. I think it's sad that this kid, you know, got put through all of this as well. I think his life is going to be never the same again. Um, And, you know, my prayer is for everybody to just use this as an opportunity to hopefully, you know, come somehow be more united because... I just I don't like the way that these things are going. It doesn't give me a lot of confidence um, in in these kind of you know situations and where yeah. we're headed. Yeah, I, I have a very pessimistic point of view on on for the a whole change thing. for a change. Uh, no, I just see exactly right. It's just this is just more division, more politicization, yeah. people taking advantage of the situation to try to create a new hero. Um, and I, I still think that when I, when I look at the why this 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 was the outcome. To me, it speaks about broader issues with laws in this country that I think we're willing to, to make change. Mm. All right. Well, 
Other than that, it's I'll, great. I'll, I'll, hear, I'll hear the proposals. I'd, I'd, I'd weigh in on them. Somebody brings a good proposal. I'll definitely give you my perspective on what we should do with these things. But um, anyway. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on. Courage or cringe? We got a couple good ones. A few good ones, actually. Yeah. Some related. This is somewhat related. Uh, courage or cringe? So, first, Oklahoma governor commutes inmates' uh, death sentence hours before execution. Mm. Uh, governor Kevin Stitt of Oklahoma called off the execution of Julius Jones, a death row inmate, just hours before he was scheduled to die by lethal injection this past week. Uh, now, to this, Governor Stitz uh, said, after prayerful consideration and review materials presented by all sides of this case, I have determined to commute Julius Jones' sentence to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. So he's basically taking the death penalty off the table at that point. Yeah, basically. Um, now, this all came about due to a large campaign of clemency, right? This had – and it had a lot of support, including celebrity support. Kim Kardashian was on it. Yeah, Baker Mayfield, who was the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns, who went to Oklahoma. Dude, why don't, uh, As a matter of fact, that's how I heard about this. Yeah. Sadly enough, I always say that. I heard about it through him. He's the first one that I saw. Like, who is this? Through Julius Baker Mayfield? Jones? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he has a football connection, doesn't he? He was an athlete. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, he was an athlete. Um, I, I guess he played multiple sports. I, I forget I now what he it was. Football. On some level, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also had hundreds of students protesting and were doing walkouts right from the schools. Mm-hmm. They also was demonstration at the state capitol and outside the governor's mansion at the in, and the Oklahoma State Penitentiary. But the, you know, what was interesting about this case is that the coalition of supporters also included many conservative voices, right? Mm-hmm. So one was Matt Schlapp, uh, the chairman of the American Conservative Union. You also had Timothy Head, uh, the executive director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition, and several Republican state lawmakers. Now, this second part of the conservative voices was by design. So Kelly Masters, who is a prominent Oklahoma lawyer and agent for NFL players, maybe there's also a connection there with Baker, I don't know. Uh, she got involved in the case and basically said that for her, she became convinced that they were going to execute an innocent person, an innocent man. And uh, she also says, and I knew we had to bring conservative voices into the discussion. And I knew that the faith community needed to weigh in. Yeah. And the faith community did. I mentioned yeah. to you, there's a very prominent bishop, Bishop Coakley of this diocese, who also was uh, very active in this uh in this campaign, he petitioned the governor personally. There was a lot of uh, things that the diocese did in that. So there was a lot of faith involvement across the board. By on the this way, is, well. this, is this new? Because I, I never recall hearing this. Is this a new phenomenon or is something that this is just getting more no. coverage? I mean, it's because fun, it, I don't, it's, it's I don't really, recall hearing something like this where really, you have more conservative voices that play that kind of active well, role. Well, I mean, I think you have to tease out conservative from uh, faith-based yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe let's put it in two, bucket, two buckets. Yeah. So faith Faith-based conservatives, I don't think it's new. Uh, In the case of maybe more, uh, you know, traditional, fiscal, conservative, business-oriented, Republican types, it is maybe a a newer thing. Because in general, those those kind of conversations are more about, you know, it's just, this is a person who's been convicted, they took a life, take a life, that kind of thing. From a faith perspective, especially from a Christian one, it's exactly antithetical to Christianity, right. right? The whole idea is it's not an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That's the whole point. Right. So it's 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 funny because even in that quote you just read, Kelly Masters, who said, I became convinced we were about to execute an innocent man. You know, spoiler alert for me, because I'm a courage on this story. I I'm a, even if the person about to be executed is guilty, right. I'm against it. Right. right? right so right. so yeah, it's that's, it's that's, that's actually a good way to kind of describe it. It's like and that's I part think, of the controversy here, right? Um 
because first of all, the, yeah, I'm sorry. Finish, finish your thought. Well, I mean, it's just it's just that which yeah. is, um, you know, the idea of the death penalty. Um, is something that you can look at. This is, let's separate these again, right? So from a faith perspective, you can, C-A-N, can look at this as an extension of the very same thing we were talking about earlier, which is the idea of Mm self-defense. You can do that, but the circumstances where you can make that case compellingly have long passed in the earth and specifically in our country. Let me give you an example. You go back a thousand years, and you're living in a village, and there's a lunatic guy who's going hut to hut, just offing people, mm-hmm. okay? And then finally, like, the villagers get together and say, listen, we got to put this guy, we, we got to take care of this, because if we let him roam the streets, he's going to kill our kids and our, mo- you know, whatever. Sure. The death penalty, and I'm, I'm using a very generic case, but in that scenario, you could make a moral argument as an extension of self-defense that putting this person down is actually that. You're defending yourself in a way kind of proactively against mm-hmm. that. But the thing is that the circumstances for that kind of scenario just do not exist anymore, right? So because we, we have means of you know, dealing with people, incarcerating them, right. controlling them, et cetera. So I don't think you can even make that case anymore. But mm-hmm. you could at some point, historically, right. you could make that because case. Because that was the only real way to sort of make sure that someone could, wouldn't continue hurting people. Correct. And you could also rationalize yeah. it or harmonize it with a Christian understanding if that's what your faith uh, was. I'm not sure about you know other religions. <clears throat> Islam, Judaism for sure had capital punishment. But <clears throat> Christianity... You could argue that way, but again, just does not apply now. And I think that the right. idea of putting people down like you do a cat or a dog or something is barbaric. It is completely wrong. It absolutely is not recognizing the dignity of human beings. And it all, all it does is basically just continue to degrade us where we feel that this is okay. I mean, to do in, in these cases, but also in general, like it just it just cheapens life. That's all it does. It right. cheapens life. And, and your point of view is, thing. even if you're 100% certain that this person is guilty, you will still be against A thousand percent, right. yeah. Even if they're guilty. Yeah, yeah I, I get mm-hmm. that. Um, because that's actually part of the, you know, big part of this case is that there is so much, there's, there is definitely controversy about him even being considered guilty. But in general, a lot of the push for criminal justice reform really comes from perspective that too many times it's happened where people are wrongfully convicted for things, and some of the which have died or have been executed. That even with a slight, like, how do you proceed with any kind of death penalty knowing that there has been historically and continues to be sure. a chance, slight or good chance, depending on who you're talking about? That the person may not actually be the, the guilty party. And there's so much issue with the system and how people but, get processed and how right. they get railroaded into these situations. That, But but that's different orientation because that's an orientation of because we want to – Assure s- nobody innocent becomes – No one right. innocent gets, gets killed. Your point of view is more like well, but in even, all scenarios, <clears throat> we shouldn't be taking someone's – Correct. Life. But think about that, yeah. ar- that argument. That argument says precisely, look, I'm conceding that sometimes people should be killed for doing something wrong. Right. Um, you know, m- yeah, my perspective is that, you know, it's, it is not for us yeah. to take life. So I'm that. kind of womb to tomb pro-life. Okay. That's my, yeah. my standpoint. Okay. That's mm-hmm. Fair enough. Now, so I'm a courage on this yeah, story. Yeah. In, in, in the original case though, the original crime is Mr. Jones, who is black, had mm-hmm. been found guilty in 2002 of first degree murder in the killing of Paul Howell, a 45 year old white man who was in a car in the driver of his parents' home when he was carjacked and fatally shot in 1999. Now, as mentioned, there's a lot about this case that people have a lot of issue with, saying that they think that Julius is, is innocent. 
And and I actually read uh, or heard the podcast where Kim Kardashian came on this. I forget the name of the, name of the podcast, but she talked about this case. And there's a lot there, man, that is just like, at minimum, is you have to dig in further, right? Everything from, first of all, like the main lawyer that was representing Julius, who they all believed and had like a good plan, literally dies before the, the case starts. Yeah. So they had to bring in other like replacement lawyers who don't really put up much of a defense. There was all this inconsist- inconsistent testimony from the co-defendant uh, who even admitted to other inmates that he had planted a weapon in Julia's house. And there was time for him oh. to actually plant, plant the weapon. Um, the family was never questioned or like basically you know, brought to the stance to prove the fact that he was with her, with them, I'm sorry, during mm-hmm. the night when, when, this, when, uh, when Mr. Howe w- was killed. And it's also the thing like Julius actually didn't match the description. Now the person was wearing I forgot what they were wearing like um, um like I don't know if it's a bandana or something else. But the, the person that killed him had like longer hair, and he had short hair. He had literally gotten a, like a parking ticket where there was like pictures of him like a, a week before. There's all these issues that are there, right? And even during the trial, one of the jurors I guess made racist comments about why they were wasting so much time <laughs> of going through all this and just taking this you know N word out back and taking care of him. Yikes. Right, which was reported and never, they never did anything, right? Yeah. And part of it is that when you look at some of the, the research, there was a study that came out in 2020 that basically looked at how often people are convicted and the likelihood of them being convicted to the death penalty when the person that was killed uh, was white versus black. And, and it looks like the, the likelihood is 17, high, 17 times higher if the person that is, that is murdered is white for the person that is convicted of the killing to be uh to be put in, in, in death penalty, right? So that's that's actually that's part of the problem there, right? Uh, now, according to the, to the to the death penalty information center, of the twenty five hundred people that are on death row currently, about forty two percent of them are white, forty one percent are black, and thirty percent Hispanic. I mean, we look at the number of people that are black in that in that number, way over index, way way over index. Hispanic's actually an under index, and so is white. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not yeah. as much on the Hispanic side. Not as much on the Hispanic side, but on the black side, what's, way over index. What's your perspective on the death penalty? How do you feel about it? Forget about this case for my, a second. My, death, my view of death penalty has definitely evolved, I would say. Um, I was for the death penalty in very specific cases, right? And the one that I still struggle with the most is anyone that does something to children, like I just have a really hard time with finding the forgiveness for that. For, for that. Especially when you, when you hear about some of the horrific things that have happened, oh, um, yeah. I think, and, and maybe I don't know, maybe it's chauvinistic of me, but anything that does those things to children or to women, mm-hmm. people that can't defend themselves when they you when you use your superior strength, strength, etc., yeah. to do something to someone that can't physically defend themselves. Well, it makes themselves. it specifically egregious. It makes it yeah, more. Yeah, I find it really, really reviling. difficult. Yeah. Um, in a very silly example, there is a, a show that, um, you know, I, I, I'd never really cared for. My ex-wife loved to watch. It's uh, Law & Order uh, SVU, Special Victims Unit, right? And that was all we had to do with rape or kids. I could not watch that show. Like, yeah, it, no, it would really that's, disturb me. Like, it would make me disturbing. really angry, right? So this idea that someone All could, that stuff weighs on you after yeah, a while. I'm convinced, man. You can't watch it. Not that, that anyone <laughs> is okay to be killed. But, like, there's something to be said about someone that can't defend themselves that, so I, that, then, I, that really bothered me a lot and therefore i felt okay with if this is what you really did and really know for a fact that you did it so it sounds like right? your orientation like was, back then was to some element of the death penalty being around justice correct that correct. it was like making something right making something right there was okay. some of that uh now the more that i've learned about the the movement around criminal justice reform and the number of times that they found individuals who have been found to be guilty and turned out not to be guilty 
it just it just put the whole thing where like the reality is you can't like we can't take any one life for granted if that's the case right so i have a really hard time with saying if if we know that then i i you can't apply it across the board with everyone because there's it's, it's so difficult to know 100 be 100% certain would you say that philosophically then you're still okay with the idea of, I don't know. of killing people I'm, I'm just the, as long as you can make sure that they're I'm the on right the, ones i'm on the fence about it to be perfectly honest mm. uh i think there's probably still certain scenarios where i would you know if i'm honest with myself i probably still be okay with it but but the reality is i'm much more swayed by the idea that that if we know that there is at least one person that can be killed uh, or through the death penalty that is potentially innocent, then we shouldn't do it. Okay, but just mental. That's my orientation. Got right? it. Now, now, men- mental exercise, real quick, real quick. Mental exercise. If we could assure 1,000%, zero chance of error, that every person we're going to execute for the next decade really did the thing that they're being accused of. Like 100% guarantee. Yeah. There's no chance of error. I think if you put it in the scenarios that I was describing, the categories I describe it, I would have, yeah, I still would struggle saying that we shouldn't do it. And that's like me being really, really honest. Yeah, well, like, good. Like, I want to know like, what your perspective is. Yeah, my, my, yeah. My, my thing with all these issues is let's take death off the table. That's mm-hmm. my orientation with everything, right? Let's take, let's just take, look, let's have the conversation about everything you want to do. I'm talking about individuals. I'm not talking about laws, but mm-hmm. with individuals. Let's, I, I get it. You know, you're, you're pregnant. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to turn. I understand that. Let's take abortion off the table. Or you are come to the end of your life and it hurts and you're sick and I got it. Let's take killing yourself off the table. Or in, you know, this case, you did all these wrong things. I got it. We're going to deal with the the punishment we're going to get you rehabilitation to the extent we t- can let's take the death off the table that's yeah my orientation I, I let's just that. take the death part and that's of the why table. i think my my end result is still the same one which was i am against the death penalty because while we can do a mental exercise that's not reality the reality is there's people we're still talking about people a system right but philosophically you're still okay with it that's my point you would still there, you're there's still okay part with of me that you're, is still you're okay about with the it. execution yeah the execu- part, the ex- part of me is and still i don't lo- mean execution is in like killing yeah, yeah, yeah. but the execution of the thing you you don't you don't trust that you don't trust the process Cor- correct i do not trust but you're the okay process. with the killing um, or with i'm the, not saying with i'm okay with it but i if i'm being really honest with myself there are certain scenarios where i would have a hard time not being okay with it mm. And it's, it's, Do you see a scenario where you could be really okay with being angry and disgusted and feel reviled, but not want that person to die? Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plenty of that. Plenty, okay. I will Fair. say that's the majority of cases. All right. Um, to me, the the two scenarios that that pop up immediately is is people that that harm children and 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 women really in general because it. I just, I just, yeah. When people use their force against someone that can't defend themselves, it really, really bothers me. Like the there was a case that just came out uh, from an ex NFL player running back. Did you see this? The video of it, him like just beating this out of this poor woman uh, who just had his baby. Is it the? He it's... played for who did he play for? He played for. He was a running back. I forget now. What... Kareem Hunt. Maybe. He, maybe. But he was with the Chiefs. They found him beating up on his girlfriend or wife. They cut him, and then somebody picked him up. Uh, I forget who picked him up. He, I think he plays for maybe not the no, no, Steelers. No, no, this no longer. This guy no longer plays. Oh, uh, I don't know. He, yeah, he, he basically. Uh, there's video like the oh, ring yeah, camera yeah, videos yeah. of yeah, him yeah, just yeah, like yeah, grabbing just this woman and yeah. like throwing her into a television and it's just be just beating her and like. Yeah, I I have a really hard time feeling any kind of of um, empathy for that. Guy. Zach Stacy. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, what that's, it is. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, Zach's the, uh, apparently a Ram running back. Jets and Rams. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. 
I didn't know there was a video. Yeah. It's sad. It's 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 very disturbing. So you're you didn't say, but you're you're um so in terms of the of the actual um so to me look at the end of the day, the, the courage or cringe here really is not just about him pardoning him. It's about pardoning him and then giving him a life sentence. Right? Of of not of taking away the possible not taking not giving him taking away the possibility of parole. And I think that's the part where I'm actually cringe on this for that reason. Mm. Um I, I mean look he he ended up um, caving to the pressure because we can pressure across the board, and when you get it, it's not just celebrities. It's but, like, but can't they still retry it though? If they find other evidence, they can't retry. I, I mean, you can be not paroled for this. But I don't they... know, Charlie. I don't know because yeah. when you hear all the issues with the case, with the original case, with how mm-hmm. he was defended, it's hard for me to to, to feel like this is a win for the for because I think it sounds like this guy was actually innocent. Right, and and if he is to now just have you know life in prison, that's, that seems so unfair. It does, but it's it feels to me like it beats being killed. If that yeah, ends yeah, up it, being it the does case. beat being killed, right? It does, but as you have a bigger injustice to a slightly less but still terrible injustice, you know what I'm saying? Like well, that's I think, why I I, mm-hmm. I I I'm not courage on this for that. You reason. could take the our legal knowledge and put it together and it wouldn't fill this aquafina bottle in front of me. So we we don't know, but my guess is, my guess is that the life imprisonment without the possibility of parole pertains to a case, not to a person. So this particular case and 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 what's been adjudicated in this case. Now, if the case itself ends up changing, I don't know that all these things wouldn't change with it. That's my thought. Uh, according on how to this the stuff works. yeah, according to the Oklahoma Attorney General John O'Connor, he said that we are greatly disappointed that after 22 years, four appeals, including the review of 13 appellate judge, judges, the work on the investigations, prosecutors, jurors, and the trial judge has been set aside. Um, so there's been at least four appeals to this. So I don't know if at that point you can do yeah. more appeals or what may be the case. I don't know. Um, Usually with these things, it's if they find new evidence. So yeah, new evidence comes Yeah, maybe, into, maybe, yeah. maybe that's the case. But but that's why I, I'm cringe on it. I'm cringe. I'm glad he made the right decision of – and frankly, the reality is we should just take that off the table. To your point, take it off the table. I agree. It happens so many times when people are innocent. I think there's too many cases. And and, and look, and I, and I was – between choosing, having – the option of even if you're 100 percent right, killing some people or saying across the board we're not kill anyone. I'm I'm in your camp. Let's not kill anyone. Mm-hmm. My orientation, my reason is maybe a little bit more jaded, which is I just don't trust the system enough to get even when they say get it right. right. But if if given the choice, See, I would my solution solves one. for that because I, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, no, if I, the system is I would, screwed up. I would agree with you. I, I do agree with you. All right, cool. So we agree, but yet we're still not agreeing on not courage agreeing. or cringe. All right, that's the way we roll. Uh, Courage or Cringe, University of Maryland draws controversy for separating Asian students from students of color. This one may be... This is a fun one. (laughs) Yeah, this is in the bad optics uh, department. So, yeah, so the University of Maryland is getting some heat for showing an enrollment and admissions graphic that, as mentioned, separated Asian students from students of color. Now, the graphic was shown during a presentation by Daryl Pines, the university's president, for the university senate uh, state of the campus report on November 10th. Now, it gave statistical data on freshman admissions and enrollment between the fall of 2017 and 2021. Uh, and it put the students to two categories, two buckets. One was students of colors minus Asians and then white or Asian students. I actually saw the slide. It's, it's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I included a picture of it in, in, on here, right? Uh, why, this, man, why mention Asians twice then in that scenario? Wouldn't it just be students of color minus Asians and then the, other? Well, that's part of the – that's. Yes, I think that's part of it, right? Um, this, of course, drew pushback, right, especially from Asian students and Asian student leadership. So the president of the South Asian Student Association, Anish 
Kakarla said, the university uses us when they want to be diverse and then not uses us in data when they don't want it, don't want to. Yeah, that's probably a fair argument. Psst, sounds mm-hmm. very fair. Then Amanda Vu, the co-vice president of external affairs of the Asian American Student Union, said that the graphic reinforced the idea that Asian Americans are in close proximity to whiteness. It just puts us in a box where forms of structure can just be like, hey, they're doing well and they're close to white people. Right, mm-hmm. I don't agree, don't agree with them either. On but that it one. does beg the question. It begs the question. Well, of that's what part is of the, the question, right? right? So the so for the university, right? They explained in a statement that the graphic was intended to show student populations that have historically represented eleven percent or less of our campus communities. So underrepresented, underrepresented communities, which they, they claim this is not. Then in, in the well, case of they, Asian, correct. They also clarified that they don't that they do see Asians as students of color, right? It was also sociologist and demographer and demographer Philip Cohen uh, who echoed the statement, and he said, "Whites and Asians are the two groups that are not considered unrepresentative." Last year, Asian students were twenty three percent of the freshman class, um, and it's for the record about five percent of the population in the U.S. Yeah, so this would be roughly five times the Co- correct. So that's so I think that's what it was coming from, right? So so courage or cringe, University of Maryland representing representing the underrepresented. Or whitewashing the Asian school experience. Mm. Charlie. University of Maryland draws controversy for separating Asian students from students of color. Um, I think it's a legit question to ask, what is it that we're actually trying to measure? I think they probably get a cringe for not giving those definitions up front and only giving the definitions after the fact to try to save a little face. At least that's what it sounds like Mm -hmm. they did. If they would have said, listen, what we're trying to show you here is we're trying to show you, put them into categories having to do with the degree to which these populations are represented in our student body mm-hmm. relative to the total population. If they would have done that, maybe that eliminates or mutes entirely whatever the blowback was. But I think what they ended up suggesting was somehow Asians and whites are like the same thing. And I think that that's going to create some some right. blowback, right? Right. So I think I'm probably a cringe on this uh, – Wait, for drawing controversy separate. Yeah, so I think I'm a cringe on this one, but I do think it begs an important question, which is when we think of underrepresented, which has been a big part of how people of color have been defined, people who are not represented in certain places, people who have lower education, who have lower household incomes, Mm -hmm. who who live in higher crime areas, who live in food desert areas. Like the truth of it is, is by and large, Generally speaking, the Asian community does not or falls a lot less into those categories mm-hmm. than black and Latino. So that's also true. And I think yeah. we have to like somehow we have to talk about that because it's definitely the case. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm within this. One. I'm also cringe. Um, and I uh, let me just add to what you were just saying. I, I definitely agree with you. I think part of it here is that, you know, we've been using or many people use students of color or people of color, as almost a shorthand for a lot of things. The shorthand for underrepresentation, the shorthand for all these other social economic characteristics that tend to be associated with people of color, but that we need to be thoughtful about because not all people of color fall within those same character, social economic you know, characteristics. The reason I'm so cringe on this, especially what you said already, is that these guys came after the fact and then redefined what they meant by it, and I think they should have been upfront about saying what they actually meant. It's just about looking at here. Here we're tracking historically underrepresented groups within our university. This is what they are now. This is how that's changing. And then groups that are not, that haven't been underrepresented, which will be these are the people that will fall under that category. 
I think that's fine. And in that case, when you're 23% of the school population, you're not underrepresented. You're way overrepresented. Yeah. Right? That's fine. But I also agree with the, with the two student, uh, Asian students. So what you said, like, when the university wants to, wants to, like, prop up their diversity numbers, all of a sudden, like, we're part of it. And when they don't or what is convenient, then we're not. I could also see the same school turn around and say, oh, hey, we're super diverse. Look at our diversity numbers. Matter of fact, we over-index on diversity. Oh really? You do? Oh yeah, yeah. No, look, look at our yeah because the, yeah they would right. Say so so that's the fifty percent right. of the student body is diverse. Yeah, that's my point. So this picking and choosing, I think, is what they're reacting to, and I could totally see that. Um, but but I but I do think it's about it's about being more specific in those definitions because from those definitions under underrepresentation for admissions in school, then Asian you know kids, especially in the school, and I'm sure across the board in a lot of other universities, just don't fall in that category. This cuts both ways too, because here you have ostensibly I don't know who these people are, but ostensibly you have a perhaps whiter school administration group making these definitions and then falling out of favor with the diverse community. Right? You have mm-hmm. this scenario, but at the same time that this story happened, you also had the case of the new mayor in Boston, which is the opposite. It's like the people in the community of color coming out against her and saying, you can't say she's a person of color because she's Asian. We've never had a black mayor because this was the first Asian mayor that got elected Mm -hmm. and a female. And a lot of people came out again saying, don't classify her person of color and it was a lot of the people from the community right, right? so you, you it kind of cuts both it's ways almost like you need to redefine what people of color well mean, right? i think you have to define your terms and i think we're both saying that yeah and i could totally see that i could also see you know black latino students say well hey wait a minute we have a very different life very experience different. dynamic uh characteristics all of that yeah um to, to put like life like, expectancy health outcomes yeah, yeah household I could, income i could totally I mean, see that i could totally yeah. see that i mean look at the end of the day though the University of Maryland just didn't help themselves in the situation because they could have been a lot more specific about what they actually met um, and how they're tracking against this. By the way, in case in case those people want to know, <laughs> they have gone from, uh, in 2017, 20% students of color, once again, excluding Asians, <laughs> to now mm. being, uh, in 2021, 21.1% students of color. Well, so they're crushing it in terms I think of growth. Just, I think it goes <laughs> any school that has uh, that their mascot is a snapping turtle. We got uh, yeah, we yeah, got yeah. some problems. So, all right, what's last? Last courage or cringe? Two Fox News contributors quit in protest of Tucker Carlson's January sixth special. Yikes! So Jonah Goldberg and Stephen Hayes, two of the Fox News contributors and founders of the Dispatch, which is an online publication that they describe as a place that thoughtful readers can come for conservative, fact-based news and commentary. Do you subscribe? That to sounds any, like True Social, doesn't it? it, it, it it's a Substack. Do you so, do you subscribe to any of these like Substacks that are out there? You know, the only one that a conservative one that I get is a. Uh, um, E- Epoch News or um, oh Epoch Times Epoch Times yeah. that it's called yeah, yeah. but do you, but because there's a lot of that stuff going on now where it's like you know I a don't. online publication but it's really a it's like it's a sub stack subscription you pay six dollars a month and you just get their stuff in your inbox I mean that's like the new media company yeah today. I get I get like uh, I do subscribe to a number of different newsletters but I frankly don't don't read don't them read much. them it's just, just too much just so much it's just so much. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so they decided to leave the network wreck over over his decision to air the Tucker Carlson January 6th special called the Pat- the Patriot Purge, right? Now, their decision to leave started right after seeing the trailer of the show, which in their mind was, and I quote, "totally outrageous. It will lead to violence, and not sure how we can stay." Was was sort of their commentary for for that. Now, both uh, Goldberg and Hayes has stayed on Fox News with the hopes that that after the defeat of former President Trump, that the network would try to recover some of its independence. To this, they added. 
Patriot Purge was a sign that people have made peace with the direction of things, and there is no plan, at least that anyone made me aware of, or mm. a, of a course correction. Mm. Now, writing the ship is an academic question. Uh, the, Patri- the Patriot Purge thing meant, okay, we hit the iceberg. I can't do the r- rationalization anymore. So many see this as basic as an end to any hope that Fox News could turn uh, could return to a pre-Trump era. Mm-hmm. Now, as, a, as it relates to the Patriot Purge, it's a show that explored an alternate history of January 6th, in which the violence was a false flag, and the consequence has been the prosecution of, of conservatives. Uh, it appeared on Fox online subscription streaming service. Now, part of the issue from Goldberg and Hayes with Fox News supporting this, this, this show is that it lended support to the idea that there is a domestic war on terror and that it's coming for half of the country. Also, the imagery of waterboard, waterboarding and suggestions that half the country isn't going, is going to be subject to this kind of treatment, mm-hmm. the same kind of treatment that the federal government used when it went after al-Qaeda. Now, they continued, uh, Mr. Carson, mm. pumped up, pumped that stuff out into society, and all you need is one person out of every 50,000 people to watch it, to believe it's literally a story about what happened. That it's true in all the particulars and all in all of its insinuation, and that's truly dangerous in a way that the usual hyperbole, hyperbole, hyperbole mm-hmm. uh, that you get on a, on a lot of cable news isn't mm. right. Um, and they weren't the only one that weren't happy with the Patriot Purge. Other folks within Fox News, like Harold Rivera, was was you know made comments about it. Uh, Chris Wallace as well. There was even two other Fox News shows that tried to debunk some of the false theories that presented in the show. Um, but at the end of the day, courage or cringe, conservative contributors standing up for the ideals and pushing back on conspiracy theories or talking heads promoting their own version of censorship. I love your courage and cringes. That they're written. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to say courage on this. Um, you know, and full disclosure, I'm a fan of Tucker Carlson. Did you watch uh, the, the, the have you seen it? No. Or did you watch not. the trailer of it? No. Oh, see, I watched the trailer. Yeah, I um, but I do know that they're that Fox is building a whole brand around Tucker called Tucker Originals, which goes way beyond his show. And he tackles yeah. a bunch of different things on, you know, issues of the heartland, Wall Street, mm-hmm. weapons, you know, uh, war, like all these different things. So they're building a big platform around him. And this is one of the things that's part of that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Tucker, have been for a number of years for one core reason, which I think leads me to one of my uh, part of my calculus for why I'm a courage on this. Mm-hmm. The reason I was always a big fan of Tucker is because he was the one guy. First of all, he's a writer, so he writes everything, and that's what he truly is. He's a writer, and I would put him at the level of like you know William Buckley or people at that like back in the '60s who would like write amazing journalism. He's a really really great writer. But the thing that I like most about him is in his show he would always welcome somebody from you know the other side. In fact, just today, frankly, mm. we were talking about. Uh, Remember the woman we brought up on uh, oh, yeah, the, the, the liberal Sherpa? Liberal uh, Sherpa, yeah, Kathy yeah. Ar- mm-hmm. So that was actually a segment, and he had a number of them. Chris Hahn, the other guy, too, that we talked about today, was also on his show all the mm-hmm. time. But he would bring people on and and have their point of view. Now, he would spar with them. He would do it intelligently, politely, but they would definitely spar. And even before his show, remember, he was a host of Crossfire. That's right. Right? So it was like definitely a left-right thing. Who, and was, I, who was the other person on Crossfire? It was him and... Oh, uh... Anyways, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, I don't remember. But that was an older format, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, 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 it was. But I always liked that about him because you could hear these other perspectives, right? And now okay. that we've gotten to a place where there's only the these two perspectives. Now, what's interesting about it is he's gone away from that mm-hmm. in recent years. He's gone away from having other people on the show. And now, really, his show is kind of like an hour of his perspective 
you know, kind of supported by the guests who come on his show. So he's lost that angle. And for that, I'm actually really sad that he has. Mm -hmm. And there definitely has been a much more nationalist kind of bent that he's taken of late. Now, which I regard as regretful. I actually think that he should return to what he was doing before. But Mm -hmm. nevertheless, those are part of the reason. The real reason why I'm courage on this is because I believe that people should be able to exercise exactly from their platforms and quit in protest and create attention to things that they disagree with, especially within conservative ranks. Mm -hmm. Where, look, you can say that we're actually – at least in the last several years, the conservative side of the equation has tended to be more cohesive, right? Whereas, you know, look at this infrastructure bill with the Democrats. Like, they, they like they don't agree with any, like, the centrists don't agree with this. Nobody likes Joe Manchin. The progressives are out there. It's like, there's a lot it's, of this very, dissension, yeah, right? Yeah. But I think we need more of that kind of, even within the conservative mm-hmm. ranks, a little bit more of this, you know, people saying, hey, this doesn't define who I am. This doesn't, this doesn't accord with my ideology as a conservative. So I applaud them for that. I don't know much about these guys, Goldberg and Stephen Hayes. I do know that this batch, I've heard of it, which is this sub this uh, mm-hmm. Substack that they that they run. It's pretty reputable, and um, and I do know other things that they've been involved with, uh, National Review and otherwise. So they're pretty legit guys, yeah. right? But so is Carlson. He's he, he, now again where he's at right now. I don't like as much as what he was before, right? But in terms of 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 just at a level that at least he has the stuff to be there, I think he's 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 really um, you know has what it takes to to be to be great. Hopefully again. But anyway, my point is that these guys are voting with their feet in this case, and yeah. you know I applaud that. And if they disagree, they should do that and call attention to this. So I'm a courage. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a courage as well, and I think mm-hmm. for very similar reasons. Um, I like the fact that these guys are standing up to what feels like the machine to some extent, um, and are doing it in a manner like, listen, we're gonna we're gonna vote with uh, like our livelihood by not being part of this because yep. we disagree. Yep. And I respect that. You know, I I think that's a, uh, and I agree with you. I think the Republican or con- not Republican, the conservative side of the equation has been much more, um, tighter knit, even. When when they uh, rally around around things that more people should be pushing back on, mm-hmm. right? And I think President Trump for me is like a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, where on the Democrat on the liberal side has been way more infighting, and that's a good and bad thing. It makes it bad for politics because <laughs> it makes yeah, it hard yeah, to move policy fo- forward. Yeah. But it's good because then you don't have sort of one. You don't have all the AOC driving all the you know. Much as we talk about all the woke liberals, yeah, they don't drive the agenda. Let's, yeah. let's be honest about that. They don't get elected outside of you know some of some of those positions. Um, so I do like that, and I like the fact that these guys are are setting up something that they believe in, and I think you need more of that. Mm-hmm. I did watch the trailer for the Patriot Purge. Mm-hmm. And it does, I mean, it's just, I don't know how you don't look at that and be like, man, this is like really stroking the fears that people have. It um, probably is. Yeah, I it think it's, it's, it's like, it almost feels like you're taking advantage of people, mm. right? Like you're taking advantage of people's fears, taking advantage of all their insecurities yeah. to monetize it. Like that's the way I see it. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of sad when you see that. I think everybody's at some point fallen into some of this engagement trap, though. I have a buddy of mine, I'm not going to name him, um, but I have a buddy of mine who who is a, pretty well-known podcaster, media personality. And, you know, he's gotten into a little bit of a rut talking about COVID mm-hmm. because I know it drives, it drives the, right. the response. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, he's become a bit of a one trick pony. Yeah. And it's just like hitting the COVID, the COVID, the COVID, the masks, the mandate, the this, the that. Now, you know, probably philosophically, I would agree with a good chunk of what he says, but right. he's so gone after that 
to the exception of other things. Right. And it's because he's being rewarded, in quotes. Yeah. Rewarded with the engagement, with the adulation, with the kind of like, you know. Yeah. Everybody's temperature getting going up. And it's hard to, to say. And that drives monetization. You know what's you know funny what I mean? is it's, it's, I, it's I, a, yeah. I definitely think of Joe Rogan that way. Like, I'm having a hard hard time listening to him because it's just like the same thing. It's like the same joke over and over. It's COVID. To him, it's three, there's three things. It's COVID. Yeah. There is wokeness, mm-hmm. and there's bashing on L.A. Like, dude, you really haven't lived here for a year. Like, at this point, I get it. L.A. sucks. I get it. Like, yeah. it's like every person you get on it is like, how Austin is awesome. How L.A. sucks. Like, dude, Bill okay, Mars, I got Bill you. Bill Maher is bashing a lot on, on stuff, too. I mean, he's come out a lot on wokes. Did you, see, did you see the last little thing he did on the whole, on his new rules for wokeness? Uh, no, I haven't. It was brutal devastating yeah yeah, yeah. I, I love him i think he's yeah. great i think he's great i think he's i think he's the best comedian right well, now Well, the point that he brings up which is an interesting one he's like when did woke go from a rallying cry to a pejorative term because and he was basically quoting aoc mm-hmm. he's and he showed like the sign of her like or somebody was holding up like a you know woke nation or something right, like that. Right, right. and then there was a there was a uh, i don't know times of london or some headline mm-hmm. that was like woke is the new era or whatever and now AOC is like saying that's just a term old white people use and it's a pejorative and it's insulting. You know what I mean? And so his whole point was was that and he keyed on that, but it's like a five minute thing. It's worth yeah, a watch. It's yeah. pretty pretty devastating. I'll watch it. But uh, all right. So we struck a conciliatory tone, I think, there you this go. uh this week, Jesus. So a couple of things really quickly, unless you have um you have other things for us. Um I wanted to encourage people listening to comment. Now, where would they comment? Where would they comment? You comment on where you listen to podcasts, right? Apple Podcasts specifically? Because mm-hmm. as you can imagine, even though we just talked about engagement, that's actually a key to unlocking a lot of like, you know, goodies from these providers, right? Getting comments and getting that kind Rating of Rating us as well. Rating us. Five right? stars Five star if review, possible. Right? Four stars if you really, really just can't get your arms around Lake and Jesus. Get four <laughs> stars. But comments and subscriptions, um, that definitely helps. I'm going to ask for a special... Uh, you know, push in that direction. Also, to any of our new friends listening to us on on Revolver, welcome to the show. Please uh, subscribe and tell a friend about us. Uh, and lastly, uh, patreon.com backslash the diversity remix. Patreon.com backslash the diversity remix, a place where you can always let us know how we're doing and support the show, etc. Um, we've got Turkey Day this week, so everybody have a very happy Thanksgiving, right? You'll be uh, actually, this show comes out. Well, are we going to release this show on Wednesday or Friday, or when are we going to do this? Probably tomorrow, right? Yeah, probably tomorrow. Okay, so you'll be listening to it before Turkey Day. And if we screw that up, then afterwards we'll cover our pieces. <laughs> but anyway, have a great Thanksgiving. Give thanks for all the good stuff that you have in your life. And, and, uh, and you know, have a moment of appreciation. I certainly will be. Jesus, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Uh, playing golf with the family. I'm super excited. Well, after Thanksgiving, we're having a big get together with my family. You're so like a new, I'm a renewed golfer. Renewed. I'm super excited. My daughter likes golf. She likes football. She's like turning into a little me, which I'm it. super excited about. I love it. That's awesome. Golf's a good game. All right. Well, then, uh, got anything else? No, that's cool. it. Well, we'll see everybody again next time on TDR. Happy Thanksgiving. If you enjoyed this episode of the Diversity Remix, please remember, first of all, to subscribe and help us to spread the word. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, and give us a five-star review. We're available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your listening fix. And lastly, please remember to stop by blackbrown.us. 
the creator of this podcast, and take a look at our work and our approach at the intersection of diversity and business. The Diversity Remix is produced by Leo Gomez. The Diversity Remix is a production of Black Brown. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.